Hey everyone, we're so glad that you've tuned in for this message today. I believe God gave me a word for you and I believe the word of God is going to bring you strength. I believe God's going to bring someone comfort and take someone to a new level. I want you to watch this message that the Lord gave me and at the end, I'm gonna come back and we're gonna pray for you. God bless you, enjoy this word. Go to Exodus chapter 10 for a minute with me this morning. I wanna preach out of Exodus chapter 10. I'm gonna start in verse three, read eight passages of scripture. Then I'm going to go to verse 24 and read a few more passages of Scripture. So I appreciate you understanding that the allergies uh, and the pollen, I don't know what it is. The Lord is going to heal all of us who wrestle this allergy devil. It's under my feet and Allegra is coming for you in the name of Jesus. Yes. Exodus chapter 10. Verse number three, when you got it, say word. My subject this morning, let's make a deal. Let's make a deal. I want to talk talk today about entertaining compromise. I don't know what it is about this last little season we've been in, but I I feel a spiritual fight in me rising up against the spirit of the age that is trying to sink its veins into the people of God and the church and make us just kind of compromise regarding the things of God. I'm telling you right now, it's not time to let up and stop believing. It's time to push forward, put your foot on the pedal. The kingdom is being advanced and the devil's in trouble and he knows it. And I wish I could find me about a hundred people this morning. I don't need a whole house full, just about a hundred of y'all who would say, I'm not going to entertain compromise. I'm not going to make a deal with the devil. I came for my stuff and I came in the name of Jesus. Exodus chapter 3. And then I'm going to pull one on Chad. I want you to put, uh, get, get ready. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 27. So we'll start in Exodus chapter 10 verse 3. Let's go there. Exodus 10 verse 3. When you got it, say word. And Moses and Aaron came to Pharaoh and said to him, Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go that they may serve me. Or else if you refuse to let my people go, behold, tomorrow I will bring locusts into your territory. They will cover the face of the earth so that no one will be able to see the earth And they shall eat the residue of what is left which remains to you from the hail. And they they will eat every tree which grows up for you out of the field. And they will fill your houses. I said the locusts will fill your houses. The houses of all your servants and the houses of all the Egyptians. Which neither you nor your fathers or fathers' fathers have seen since the day that they were on the earth to this day. And he went and he turned and went out from Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh's servants said to him, how long shall this man be a snare to us? Let the men go that they may serve the Lord their God. Do you not yet know that Egypt is destroyed? So Moses and Aaron were brought again to Pharaoh. And he said to them, go and serve the Lord your God, and who are the ones that are going? 
And Moses said, we will go with our young and our old, with our sons and our daughters, with our flocks and our herds, we will go, for we must hold a feast unto the Lord. Then he said to them, the Lord had better be with you when I let you and your little ones go. Beware, for evil is ahead of you. How many know that devil is a liar? Verse 24. Then Pharaoh called to Moses and said, Go serve the Lord. Only let your flocks and your herds be kept back. Let your little ones also go with you. But Moses said, you must also give us sacrifices and burnt offerings that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Watch this. Our livestock also shall go with us, not a hoof. Not a hoof shall be left behind, for we must take some of them to serve the Lord our God, and even we do not know with what we must serve the Lord until we arrive there. The Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not let them go. And Pharaoh said, get away from me, take heed to yourself, and see to my face no more. For in the day you see my face, you shall die. And Moses said, you have spoken well. I will never see your face again. May the Lord have his blessing to his word. Father, today, I pray that as I teach the word of God, that a courage and a strength and a boldness would rise up in people. I pray today, Lord, that you would give us resolve and backbone. And in the day of, of fear, may there be a people of courage. May there be a people who are saturated with promises and full of faith and hope. I pray today, O oh God, that you would infuse the hearts of every believer in this room today with a tenacity and a perseverance. Father, we resist, we reject, and we defy every lie of the enemy that suggests he has something and will keep anything that belongs to us, your people. Today, I pray in Jesus' name that, that the people of God would advance the kingdom and that we would move this thing forward in our generation in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Help me welcome Athens this morning. Come on, tell them good morning as we jump into the word. Tell Athens good morning. Love you, Pastor Chris and Amy, and thank God for what he's doing there. Exodus is the Old Testament testimony of all of us who in the New Testament and New Covenant of Grace can relate to, it is the story of how God brings his people out of bondage and into the promised land that he has prepared for them. Doesn't end in bondage and it doesn't begin in the promised land. It begins with the people of God as slaves under the taskmaster of Pharaoh and Egypt. As you close out the book of Genesis, you will find that, and you remember this, that God gave Israel favor in Egypt because of a relationship between one man, Pharaoh, and this man named Joseph. Joseph, 
who was sold into slavery, put into Potiphar's house, thrown into prison, and ultimately because of the favor of God, he rises to a place of national leadership where he is essentially the vice president over Egypt, the viceroy of Egypt, and he is sitting right to the right hand of Pharaoh at the end of Genesis. They go into Egypt, a family, and by the time you flip the chapter from Genesis to Exodus, a family has become a nation. The Bible says in the first chapter of Exodus that there arose a Pharaoh over Egypt who did not know Joseph. So the favor that Israel had had previously because of a relationship between Joseph and that Pharaoh now no longer exists. Israel is living in Egypt as slaves and the new Pharaoh takes an inventory of the people of God in Egypt. And here's what he says in Exodus chapter 1 and I'm just laying a foundation. He says, the Israelites are greater and they are mightier than we are. We better do something to stop them. So the Bible says that they increased their workload and they made them slaves and they put them under the pressure and under the heat of, of, of all of these slave drivers and the people of God in the first chapter and a half of Exodus are actually building the kingdom of Egypt for Pharaoh. And the Bible said this happened for over 400 years. And because of their oppression and heaviness, the Bible said they cried out to God and God heard them. And you know how God heard them. He heard them because they prayed. And when he answered them, he answered them by coming down and talking to one man, namely Moses on the backside of a Midianite sheep field who was tending his father-in-law Jethro's sheep. And God came down in the midst of a burning bush. Lord, I wish I had time. And in the middle of that desert, God, a bush caught on fire, and yet it was not consumed. And out of the midst of a burning bush, and how many know that's a revelation in and of itself, that God can set you on fire and you not be consumed and speak through a burning bush. God, help me, Jesus. Tell somebody next to you, you're sitting near a burning bush. You're sitting, matter of fact, tell somebody you are that burning bush. God wants to talk through some of you this week. He wants to set you on fire and speak to you because too many people are in bondage and God is listening to the cries of people. And whenever God gets ready to deliver somebody, he always starts speaking to one. I'm thankful that Jesus is the ultimate emancipator and deliverer, but I'm also grateful that he's raising people up who are in communion and in in union with him who have a voice that will declare truth and righteousness against injustice and will declare we're going to see victory and deliverance and we're going to see breakthrough in our generation. I just want to put this point right here and I'll move on quickly. I refuse to believe that our generation will not be the generation that sees deliverance from racism, that sees the purge of the scourge abortion. I believe we're going to see some justice this return in our generation and I'm not going to sleep right, live right, act like act right until I see something change. Somebody say amen. amen. Moses I want you to go into Pharaoh's presence and tell him to let my people go. Moses trots himself in to Pharaoh's company. In the fifth chapter of Exodus, the first verse it is the first of seven times that Moses 
looks at Pharaoh and says, Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go. Now this is interesting. For over 400 years they have prayed for deliverance themselves. But now in the fifth fifth chapter and the first verse of Exodus, God is going to go to contending for Israel. It's one thing when you and I fight, but it's another thing when God begins to fight. It's another thing. It's one thing when we say, God, give us freedom. God, give us deliverance. God, give us breakthrough. It's another thing when God stands up and tells the devil, you got something that belongs to me. Now let my people go. I want to tell you today that we're moving into a moment where things that we thought, Jesus, I feel you, we thought we were contending for in our own strength. God is rising up in this moment and he's saying, no one will contend for your deliverance like I will. No one, let me help you understand today. If you are bound by anything, if you are enchained and imprisoned to anything, if you feel defeated by anything, there is no one who is contending for for your freedom more than Yahweh God. Your heavenly father refuses to accept your bondage. Jesus did not come to give us a social club. Jesus said the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to preach good news to the bound, to set at liberty those that are bruised, to preach recovering of sight to the blind and to heal the brokenhearted. If you're bound Jesus is your best friend. Nobody can set you free like Jesus. Nobody is contending for your freedom like the Lord. Moses thought he was speaking on his own behalf, but Moses was merely a mouthpiece, and Aaron was merely a mouthpiece for the God of the Hebrews who was fed up with Egypt having what belonged to him. So he stood up and he said, let my people go. Seven times in the book of Exodus, it's there in Exodus chapter 5 verse 1. It's there in Exodus 7, 16, verse 8 and 1, verse 8 and 20, verse chapter 9, verse 1, chapter 9, verse 13, chapter 10, verse 3. Seven times. How many know seven is the number of completion? When God says, you're going to let my people go, here's the thing I want to tell you. They were bound for over 400 years, but when God started talking, stuff started getting free. Jesus, I wish somebody would catch what I'm saying today. I don't care how long you've been bound. When the Lord starts talking, you're going to get set free. It doesn't matter how dark it is. When God starts talking, you're going to get set free. You're going to get set free from your depression. You're going to get set free from your hopelessness. You're going to get set free from the bondage. Somebody's addicted and you want freedom. You'll never find it in yourself. But there is a God contending for for your freedom and today he is speaking against your enemy religion tells you when you're messed up and you feel hopeless religion tells you God's against you but if you belong to God and you're bound he's not just talking to you he's talking to the thing that has you bound hallelujah I said he's talking to the thing that has you bound The enemy will wish he never messed with some of you in the 
first place. The enemy will wish he never got into your, your sleep schedule and interrupted your rest and tried to attack your marriage and tried to attack your family. In fact, when I read the book of Exodus, when Pharaoh said they are mightier than we are, let's put more work on them, it actually had the reverse effect. See, Pharaoh thought he would work them into death when in reality, instead of dying, the pressure made them multiply. Can I tell you that everything you've been going through that didn't kill you is only making you stronger? God is about to reveal that the enemy's plan to destroy you can never work. Why? Because he who has begun a good work in you is faithful to finish what he has started. I'm telling you, I feel like taking off and preaching about gold and about fire and about pressure. Do you know the Bible said in the book of Corinthians that this weight, this light, listen, this light affliction, light affliction, this light affliction. Paul, who has been left for dead twice, been stranded and beaten, been ostracized and alienated. He got a 9,000 pound, uh, 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 he got a 9,000 pound devil hanging on his back and he's still writing First and Second Corinthians and he's still writing Ephesians, Galatians and Philippians. He's going through all kind of hell and he says, I'm not going to let the devil think he's messing with me so bad. This is just a light affliction. It feels some people would look at what you're going through and say, oh, how do they make it? How could she ever endure that? How could he ever make it through that? I would have lost my mind. Yeah, but when you know him, it's not so bad. It's a light affliction. I I've been carrying this a while, but it's a light affliction. And I got news for you who are carrying a light affliction. It is producing a far greater and a more exceeding weight of glory if you feel like what you've been going through weighs something wait till you see what's on the other side when you come out there's not going to be a weight of affliction there is coming a weight of glory and God is going to get the glory for bringing you through slap somebody tell them you're about to be glad you didn't give up you're about to be glad. Ooh, you're, I felt it over there. You're about to be glad that you didn't give up. You're about to be glad that you didn't throw in the towel. You're about to be glad that you kept on praying. You're about to be glad that you kept on waiting. Wait on the Lord. They that wait, I feel like preaching now. They that wait upon the Lord. Shandaya Sharanu their strength. Slap somebody, tell them neighbor, we're getting ready to run. We're getting ready to run. The enemy been trying to harass me. The enemy been trying to bring me down. But we're getting ready to run. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Yes, Seth, come help me, son. Woo! Kabasha. I am going to preach today. I am going to preach today. I've been writing a book all week long, hemmed up in my office. I've been waiting to get here this morning. I feel like telling some devil, you will let go of everybody you have bound. You will release everything you stole. Greater is he that is in me.
Go ahead, buddy. Take off running and give God praise. Somebody open the Hallelujah. Feel the Lord in here. I feel the Lord. Just take us a praise break right now. The kind of praise break that free people take. If you know the Son has made you free, give it praise. Yeah. 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 Yes. I usually wait to the end till I get happy, but I'm happy in the middle of my sermon today. God is a good, good God. Somebody shout yes. The, The attack of the enemy had a reverse effect. And he comes to Pharaoh and says, let my people go. Look at chapter five, verse two, if you want to later tonight. When Pharaoh hears Moses say those words, he makes a tragic mistake. He said, who is the Lord that I should obey him? If you don't know, If you don't know, you're about to know. This family is a great lesson that our generation is getting ready to know because some of them don't know who the Lord is or why they should obey him. But God is about to demonstrate his authority and sovereignty in such a way. I seriously believe with all my heart that the Lord is contending for those who are bound in this season and in this generation like he hasn't in a very long time. God is about to rise up and speak on behalf of those who feel like they have not been heard. And he comes into his presence of Pharaoh and says, who is the Lord that I should obey him? And you know the story. God said, you want to know who I am? I'm going to introduce myself to you. Somebody give him some water. He ran around the whole church. Hallelujah. That man right there deserves a medal. Glory to God. Well, why'd he run? Why are you sitting? Ah! Who is the Lord that I should obey him? And God said, you want me, you don't know who I am? Let me reveal myself to you. Chapter six, flies break out. Frogs get all in the dough of the bread. Frogs get all in their covers in the bed. Frogs sitting in the living room with a bunch of frogs. Uh-huh. The river turned into blood. 
I could go down the list. Lies broke out in the camp. You say, Pastor, what is all this? You didn't know who I was, and you wouldn't let go what was mine. So because you held on to mine and you didn't know who I was, I'm just going to introduce myself to you as the God who doesn't play games with the enemy. Uh huh, Mr. Pharaoh, I need to wake you up and make sure you understand that you have some sons and some daughters that belong to me and I will not relent. I was praying for, I feel you, thank you, Holy Ghost. I was praying for someone yesterday who's going through a situation in their family and their children are under an attack and I got down in my office and was praying and I heard the Holy Ghost tell me to tell that dear sister and he just told me to tell y'all. He said, you tell them I will not relent until the devil lets go of their children. I want to tell somebody in here today, when the devil puts his hands on your stuff and tries to take what God gave you, you need to know if you won't relent, God won't relent. If you won't stop praying, God won't stop working. I don't know about none of y'all. For me, if I'm Pharaoh, all it would take is the cooties. I'd have been done with the lice. I'd have been done when the river turned into blood. But the Bible said Pharaoh kept on hardening his heart. Uh-huh. And God said, you still don't know who I am. I'm going to touch everything about you until you let go of everything that belongs to me. And today I want to tell you, you are not just your own. You are not just your mother and your fathers. You are not just, you are not just from a lineage and a bloodline. You are a son and a daughter of the living God. And heaven is standing, standing up today to fight on your behalf. I feel some chains breaking right over there and I feel some yokes breaking right over there and I feel some burdens getting lifted off Jesus I thank you you belong to God and in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ this is the Sunday morning where God said devil let my people go And so, this is, this is going to bless you, I hope, like it blessed me. Because sometimes we find ourselves in the world just like Israel found themselves in Egypt. And we say, this world is crazy. And everything connected to it is crazy. And why, have you ever been grieved by the world you live in? Noah, the Bible said, was vexed in his righteous soul over the sin and the plight and the craziness of his day. How in the world can you look at all the foolishness going on in this world and feel good about the world itself? Well, here's six steps to a new life. We need revival. He was vexed in his righteous soul over the sin and the plight of his and the condition of the world that he was living in. And here's Moses and the people of Israel living in Egypt. And 
Egypt is cursed because God is working against it. Somebody asked me what, the cur- what a curse is. Well, let's fr- first of all declare a blessing is when God's working for you. The curse is when God is working against you. I don't know about anybody in here, but I don't want to live under the curse. In Egypt, the hand of God was upon Moses and the Israelites so much so, watch this, that when God started releasing the plagues, it had a way of touching Egypt but missing the people of God. I'm going to get some emails on this one. Well, we in the same mess. You know, we the same Americans. We all in the same. Oh, no, no. Don't curse me with that. I am an American, but before I'm an American, I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God. Y'all better say something right here. What does that mean, pastor? It means that when the cows of Egypt dropped dead, the cows of Israel kept on mooing. Read your Bible. I'm not making this up. Egypt's cattle dropped dead, and Israel's cattle kept on chewing the cud and mooing in the yard. Now, how many know your God is bad to the bone if he knows how to separate the world's cattle from your house? I just came to tell you that when you're blessed by God, you're covered by God, and don't let some religious spirit lie to you and tell you you're going to have to go through the same thing all them other crazy, hellacious, hell-bound, demon-possessed people are going to have to go through. I am covered by the blood. I am not telling you I don't have bad days. I'm just telling you that my stuff does not belong to the devil. It belongs to God and his kingdom. If that ain't enough for you, When God turned the lights off in Egypt, they kept on living in the light in Goshen. Read the Bible. God knows how to separate houses. I feel like preaching right here. God knows how to separate houses. Isn't it funny how some houses don't have the light? And yet in your house, the light has to never go off. Y'all better receive this today. There is, God is able to distinguish his people. And the Bible said that before the last plague, boy, I'm not even to my assignment yet. Before the last plague of the death of the firstborn, God speaks to Moses and tells him to go to see Pharaoh again. And he walks into Pharaoh's presence. And he says, thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, let my people go. And Pharaoh begins to soften. And the bloody river and the boils on the skin and the lice in the hair and the hail that rained from the sky and the frogs that were in the pantry, and the flies and the locusts that attacked the land, all of them had gotten his attention. But in none of it did he humble himself. And so God tells Moses, go stand there again in the presence of Pharaoh. Tell him to let my people go. And Pharaoh walks in. Moses walks into Pharaoh's presence. Pharaoh does something 
that many people in the church might have been moved by. He offers Moses a deal. I'm not going to preach much longer this morning, but there's a deal-making spirit loose in the earth. We know we're not going to be able to hold you back, church, but if we can get you just to give us a little bit. I haven't preached this message in 21 years. I preached it 21 years ago at Harbor of Faith Church of God for Tim and Teresa Ashley. You know how I know that? Because I have a record of every sermon I ever preached. And I had a cassette tape, not even a CD. (laughs) A cassette tape. I preached this message 21 years ago and praying last week, God said to me, there's a deal-making spirit loose in America. And the enemy knows he, oh, I feel the bulldozer of God rising up in me right now. The enemy knows he cannot stop the church. But what he's going to do while we're in this journey is attempt to make a deal. This family is the great tragedy of the modern day church. We are entertaining compromise. I'm not going to get a lot of help on this one today. You start preaching these kind of sermons and people say, where did the six steps go? Where did the three points go? There is none of it today. I came for the throat of the enemy. I came to put my foot on the neck of that spirit trying to get us to make deals. We are are entertaining compromise. So it looks like this. And you know, I preached a sermon like last Sunday. I didn't want to preach that message. Can I be real and be, just be transparent, totally honest? I didn't want to preach that message last week because people say, oh, there are more people dealing with that stuff that we talked about last week in this house than you will ever believe. Why don't you take the men Pharaoh said, let's make a deal. Let's make a deal. You, you, you reckon my whole empire. Let's make a deal. You take the brothers, read your Bible, and leave the women and the kids and the other stuff behind. Boy, I might have should have saved this one for Father's Day. <laughs> let's make a deal. Brothers, y'all come on out to the wilderness and do what you need to do. And then we'll come back and see how it goes after that. I need to talk to some men who are entertaining compromise. Well, I would never, I would never sacrifice my family. Yeah, but would you leave them behind? Would you leave them behind? Let me just go ahead and set something straight for everybody in the house. Do you recognize that when a man goes to church, 96% of the time statistics show us that the rest of the family follow daddy to church? You better wake up, dads. You better wake up, brothers. You better wake up. Listen, let me help you understand something. Being a man in this generation, we have to have some male leadership. 
Now I start talking like this and all the people, what about equality and, and what about gender rights? Oh no, we need some men, Holy Ghost filled men who believe the Bible and believe in righteous living, who raise righteous families to live righteous lives. We need some of that. Because what we're raising up is a bunch of video game playing dads who don't know how to take their son to the ballpark. They don't know how to show their children how to mow the grass. They don't know how to teach their... Do you know why some young ladies run to every cross-eyed fool in the neighborhood and want them, give them their body because he looks at her and says, you're beautiful. And she never heard that from her daddy. She had to hear it from Bozo the Clown down the road. And now he makes her feel so accepted. Daddy, where are you my daughters will never have to have one of you young men tell them they're beautiful you will never be the first one to inform them that they belong to God because every day of my life I look them right square in the eye I tell them baby you're the devil's worst nightmare you're fearfully and wonderfully made the hand of the Lord is on your life you're beautiful in every way where are you at men My family won't pray. Are you praying, sir? I don't know. I don't know what it is. My children don't like coming to church. Well, how do you talk about the church when you leave? My family won't praise the Lord. Mine will. Because since they were a child, you say, Pastor, you're so arrogant. I'm not arrogant. I've blown it many times. And when I do, I say, I'm sorry. Your daddy made a mistake. Can I please tell you something, brothers? You can't go have your destiny and your life out in the wilderness with you and God and leave your family behind in Egypt. You say, Pastor, I feel like you're talking to me and I don't like it because I feel convicted. Listen, this message is not to create hopelessness. It's time to get our heart right and move forward. And some of you, the enemy will tell you, you waited too late. And I came to tell you, it's never too late with God. The devil is a liar. Some of you are going to get your stuff together today. Some of you are going to get your stuff together today. And God's about to turn it around. Slap somebody, tell them God's about to turn your family around. It ain't too late. It ain't too late. Look at this. Look at this. So he says, let the men go. And the men refused to go without the rest of their families. And Pharaoh hardened his heart and he wouldn't let him go. So that's when the darkness comes. And by the time God gets through with the ninth plague, the, the assistants and the advisors of, it, of Egypt came to Pharaoh and said, look, man, have you not seen the news? Bro, everything in our whole village is burning down. Let the man go. Pharaoh walks, Moses walks into Pharaoh's presence. Thus saith the Lord, let my people go. Pharaoh says, just take your wives, watch, and your little ones, but leave the animals behind. Ah, animals, why would Moses need an animal? in the wilderness. I can think of a lot more important things in the wilderness. 
Take some water. Come on, you're going to need a shelter. Take some hammer and a nail and some wood and a, and a cup. Take something. You, take some food. Why would you contend for an animal? In order to understand that, you must understand the Old Testament system of serving God. Animals were more than pets in the backyard. Animals and the blood running through their veins were the very sacrifice that pleased the Lord in the Old Covenant. When Pharaoh offered Moses another deal, he was literally saying, you can take your families, but leave your worship behind. I'm getting ready to say something in here. Leave your worship behind. See, this is the problem I have right now, and I'm going to preach another few minutes. Don't get nervous. The buffet will be waiting on you. But, I, but I'm going I'm to tell you this right now. What I'm concerned about in our generation is that we are going to go serve the Lord, but leave worship behind. Look at somebody tell them, no praise left behind. I'm getting ready to go to my car. But look at your other neighbor and tell them, no worship left behind. There'll not be one hallelujah left in Egypt. There'll not be one lifted hand left in the past. There's not going to be one praise, one shout, one dance. Nothing shall be left behind. And in fact, we're going to take our mama and our daddy and we're going to take Grandma Jean and Papa and we're going to take the husbands and we're going to take the wives, I feel like preaching, and we're going to take our sons and we're going to take our daughters in fact, not one hoof. One hoof. Pastor Kim, are you for real, Moses? Like you would, you would get caught up over a cow hoof? Yeah, because you don't know if we might need it to worship the Lord. What he's saying is, I'm bringing all my worship with me. Not one hoof shall be left behind in this crazy Egyptian world. I know that they don't understand it when we talk like this, and I know they can't make sense sometimes of what we mean when we talk about worship and coming out of Egypt, but let's take Take my word for it today. You're going to need every animal in the pen for where God is fixing to take you. You're going to need every kind of praise. You're going to need every kind of worship. That's why this morning I was so blessed when we were singing and I turned around. Hands were lifted all over the house. Why? Because some people are breaking out of a religious box and the devil is not going to keep us silent. He's not going to keep us heavy. We're not going to stay depressed. The world can go to hell in a handbag if it decides to but as for me and my house we gonna serve the Lord let somebody tell them I plan on serving the Lord I plan on serving the Lord they can do whatever they want to they can vote in whoever they want to vote in they can act crazy they can tell lies they can do anything they can try to put fear down in my spirit but I'm coming to church every Sunday and when I walk through the door I'm coming in with a praise not one hallelujah will be left behind not one praise Not one hoof shall be left behind. I got me some hooves. Chris, down, Chris went down to the rodeo store. 
And he got me some hooves, some cow hooves. And I'm going I'm to be out your way in just a minute. But not one hoof, not one family member is going to miss it. Oh, no. Oh, no. In Nashville, not one family that needs Jesus is going to miss it. Every single family. In fact, I want to bless you both right now and tell you, your children are going to know God and love him all the days of their life. And your spiritual children are going to know God and love him all the days of their life. That entire neighborhood is going to know God. Not one hoof. Slap somebody tell them, not one hoof. Not one hoof. You know why the devil can't have it? Because it don't belong to the devil. It belongs to me and my family. Slap your neighbor, tell your neighbor, it's yours. It's yours. Not one miracle will be left behind in Egypt. Not one hallelujah will be left behind in Egypt. Not one breakthrough will be left behind. How God is about to do something. Not one hoof will be left behind. Mama, not one blessing will be left behind in Egypt. Our whole family I feel the Lord getting on me. I better quit because me and my mama start dancing and you people won't know what happened in this church. Slap somebody and tell them one more time. Not one hoof. Anybody need a healing? Not one healing will be left behind. Anybody need a breakthrough? Not one breakthrough will be left behind. Anybody need a sign? and a wonder. Not one sign or one wonder will be left behind. I'm taking my dance out of Egypt into the wilderness. I'm taking my hallelujah out of Egypt into the wilderness. While you're going to the wilderness, we're getting ready to have a feast with the Lord. God's getting ready to prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemy. Somebody shout yes. Oh, I wish I had the voice to preach. God is getting ready to prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemy. The devil that's been keeping you up at night is about to watch you rest in the blessing of the Lord. Not one. Oh, yes. I believe one of our former administrations, I don't remember which one started, not one child left behind. I don't know how that worked out in the school system, but not one child will be left behind. I feel something getting on my back right now. I feel something getting ready to break some of your children through. Slap your neighbor. Say, hey, neighbor. Not one person in your family will be left behind. The devil tried to drive them crazy, but they're coming out of this thing. They're coming out of Egypt. They're coming out of bondage. They're coming out of... No one who... Oh, not one hoof shall be left behind. 
I plan on being in this city long enough that before I die or before Jesus comes, not one gang member son or gang member daughter is going to be left when God gets through with this city. Not one of them will be left behind. Not a blood or a crip. Every one of them are coming into the kingdom of God. You say, Pastor, you better be careful. I want to give God praise that the blood can save anybody. Not one of them. I'm through preaching. Why would we fight over hooves? Stand with me, I'm through preaching. Why would we fight over hooves? Because the spirit of compromise says if you give the enemy a hoof, he'll take the animal. If he ever sees you, give in and surrender. If he ever sees you, acquiesce to his pressure. What we want is, in the church, we want to be full of righteousness and truth. And we want everybody to like us simultaneously. Preachers, you love Jesus and his word. And you're going to be misunderstood sometimes. Young preachers, they're not always going to like you. Because living for Jesus and doing what he called you to do is going to create some hostility in your life. It don't matter how much you cry and how sweetly you say it. Too many of us have left hooves behind and counted it as insignificant. Kim, it don't take all that. We've learned it. it. It don't take all that. Just ease up a little bit, Pastor. Just, can you lay off of some of that holiness teaching? And can you, can y'all lay off some of that passion and worship? And can we, can we tighten this up? Can we do worship in 23 minutes, Pastor? No, no, no. I'm, I'm, it's rhetorical. Don't nobody get bitter. It's rhetorical. Amy's over there like, I bind the devil. Not one hoof. <laughs> Not one hoof. It called my mama shot. Oh no, I'm not rhetorical. Why does it take all this? Because I'm contending. I'm contending. I sit as a watchman on the wall of our city and I look at the lives and families and broken people. And y'all think our cute little service on Sunday is somehow going to be listen I'm not reducing what happens on Sunday I'm saying it's bigger than just getting through a one and a half hour service we got families being left behind a spirit of compromise we just abandon thank you Lord what you abandon the devil will occupy
So you don't preach on spiritual purity. And everybody starts thinking it's okay to do what I talked about last week. I'm not being critical and I'm not trying to present myself. There are great men and women of God all over this nation preaching the Bible. There's also a real compromising thing happening. We don't want to say truthful things in the spirit of grace and love because it might affect our following. And, and here's, what I'm, here's what I'm discovering. Followings are fickle. We have a job to do. And we can't leave our families and our worship behind in Egypt. And think we're going to go serve the Lord in the wilderness. Everything's going to be great. Somebody got to get this mentality today. Not a hoof. Not even the hoof of a cow will be left behind in Egypt. Friend, I believe God is speaking to hearts right now. This message, I pray, has stirred you, and there are some who are watching this message who are waiting on the opportunity to give their heart to Jesus Christ. Listen, the greatest day in your life is the day that you give your heart to Jesus Christ and allow him to become the Lord of your life. And if you want that opportunity, then right now I wanna pray with you. You know, the Bible says in the book of Acts that God commands men and women everywhere to repent, to turn from their sin and to turn to the living God. And the message of hope today for you is that no matter how messed up you are, no matter what you've done, no matter how far away from God you feel, he is only one prayer away. Would you turn your heart toward him right now? Just say, dear God, save me, forgive me, cleanse me of my sin and make me new. I, I confess you as my Lord and Savior, Jesus, and I'm asking you to be the king of my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, friend, if you prayed that prayer, let us know today. We wanna make sure you have a Bible. We wanna make sure you know that as a local church here in Chattanooga, Tennessee, someone is praying for you. We hope to see you soon if you're in the Chattanooga area. And if not, get in a Bible-believing church somewhere and grow in your purpose in Christ. We love you. We're praying for you today. God bless you.